millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know, like he was like saying like along the lines of like, you know, you have the talent and, you know, you know, your sound is incredible, this and that. And like, you know, you're doing like some really, really great things, but you have to be here. Like, event, like if you're, if you have a certain level of talent, which you, you know, then eventually something is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Uh, yeah. Everybody tuning in, you invited, you invited. No matter what mood you in, get excited, get excited. Everybody love the music, let me tell you how they do it. Whether writer or an agent, let me tell you how they made it. You are now talking to a silent giant. Wanna walk in their shoes, silent giants. Wanna study they move, silent giants. Wanna know what they do, silent giants. Silent giants, y'all. <laughs> Welcome to the Silent Giants Podcast. A podcast highlighting the superstars behind your favorite superstars in creative industries. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. To keep up with the latest on the show, be sure to follow us on Instagram at, at Silent Giants Podcast. To keep up with my life, music, and more, be sure to follow me as well at, at Corey Cambridge. Today on the show, we have a very special guest. My Virginia brother and saxophonist, Jason Arcy, the silent giant behind Blood Orange. In this episode, Jason talks about growing up in Virginia Beach, playing baseball with David Wright, how he learned to play saxophone, and how he teamed up with one of my favorite artists, Blood Orange. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to the saxophonist, my Virginia brother, my friend, the silent giant, Jason Arcee. Boom, boom. Good. Is that better? It's good. That's really good. There we go. Jason, what's up, man? Welcome to the show, brother. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here. VA all day. All day. Reunited and it feels so I good. Know, right. Damn. It could, last time we last time I saw you was with Chalk at Rockwood. Yeah, it was at Rockwood and I saw you kind of rock. Yeah. Chalk Steve. Steve Boone. Yeah, man. Uh, Sam Reed. Yeah. Yeah. Sam's band. Yeah. Dog. Richmond has the best. Scene. It, Richmond has a beautiful scene. Beautiful scene, man. It's like people don't know. It's missing a little jazz these days, but like the scene is great down there. I mean, it's but dude, it's still a. You know what it is? Everyone there's a jazz musician now. Everyone's a jazz musician, but nobody plays jazz anymore down there, which is kind of funny. But some of the best players that I've ever heard ex- are in Virginia. Exactly. But also, do you think that I almost look at jazz like Latin? Yeah. Right. Like it's it's the origin. Of of the musical language, yeah, it's kind of where R and B and everything kind of came from. Can't, I mean, everything came from, yeah. right? Same way as Latin, like all the Romance languages came from Latin. But oh, now yeah. you don't speak Latin. No, you know, like the game's gotten so evolved. We should bring that back. We should bring it back. I mean, look, I always say what if I if I ever want to start a band again, the first thing yeah. I, I'll ask the musicians are, "What do you like to play?" And if they go, "Love jazz," dude, you're in because you instantly <laughs> can play anything. I could throw anything your way and you know how to play it. Hmm. 
Yeah, because there's like a certain complexity to, to like the harmony that makes you more adaptable to situations. Like I haven't been in a situation where I was really uncomfortable in a long time. And that's because I study jazz. Exactly. Honestly. Exactly. And like I feel comfortable playing at like gospel churches. I feel cool playing like pop gigs. I feel cool like doing a bebop gig. Like I've played with a wide range of like different artists. I mean, so. th- that, that's, that's the common thread between any musical savant. Sure. You don't know. But that's all. It's like that's very heady music. You know, so if I, if I threw you a three core pop song, they really know how to funk it up. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like something that simple. A jazz musician would be like, oh, my God, this is cookies. Yeah. And they're going to make that shit sound flavorful. Oh, yeah. Easily flavorful. Like they're going to add extension on, oh. extensions on like every chord. Nutty. <laughs> and I don't even know what's going on. I just know this sounds way funky. Oh, yeah. Like fresh. Yeah. I wish I played an instrument like that. Like I wish I played like an instrument understood music theory. Get a but, piano, man. It's like it's, you can see everything. Just yeah, but see, dude, like, did, did you not hear my my uh, <laughs> my job history? I'd be I'd be hustling, man. That's something that when you have all the when you were young, you have all that time. Mm-hmm. You're bored. You know what I'm saying? You ain't getting no girls like that. You're yeah. hella nerdy. You like, yo, I'm just you're work- living the dream in a whole new way. No dude, degree I live, required. Dude, wait, if I had to tell you the jobs I've worked, if I if oh, I had, man. Hold on, yeah, how many, those wait, two. wait, how many jobs have you worked? What are your jobs? I don't even know the I don't even know the number that I've worked <laughs> since I've been an adult. Okay, in New York, in New York, I, how how many jobs have you that's had? That's really really hard. Um, Name me some. I was. Uh, you know, you know, you know what we're gonna do? I was actually a nanny. I watched two kids after no, school. We're, we're gonna, you're gonna name a job, and okay. then I'm gonna name a job. I was a nanny after for two kids after school for like two years. I was a live-in nanny in Greenwich, Connecticut, for one year. Wow. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, I went back to teaching. I was actually the music director at a summer camp a couple of years ago for just the whole like two and a half month summer break. I bagged catnip. Oh yeah. Bad catnip, looking like bandana over the face, mm. scooping catnip. I flip sneakers. I emceed and dance bar mitzvahs. I waited tables. I waited tables. I bartended and bar backed. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> my actually, my actual like full time job was actually a chef at a place in the Lower East Side. I actually got a gig as a chef from an event that I did. I got, I got called from it. I worked at a wine store. Um, I've acted in many commercials over the past two and a half, three years, and I'm about to join SAG. I've acted in a commercial for uh, NFL CBS Sunday. Wow. And I had two scenes. I used to run room service for a hotel. Now I got to think. Now I got to think. We're, we're sitting at my, fr- my former employer. I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about this place, Allie. Oh, yeah. I was a community manager. Wow. I also worked in pharmaceutical tech. Oh, interesting. Oh, man. Little dicks. You had a very diverse. Little dicks and big egos. Yeah. Yeah. It's range. It's range. See, most of my stuff is either like music, teaching, acting, or like restaurant stuff. Right. Like there's a focus. Yeah. There's like, because I grew up like, my dad's a chef, so I grew up like in the restaurant business Mm -hmm. in a way. And then I studied music in college. And then I got into, I was actually kind of a child actor for a little bit when I was really young. But really? My, my parents decided not to move me to New York when I was like three or four because I was getting scattered by like agents and stuff. Wow. 
Yeah, so they didn't want to move me to New York from Connecticut, where I was born. And then I got into acting, like, kind of randomly, like, th- probably three, a little over three years ago, this girl, I was doing, like, a, I was bartending for a catering company, and this girl was like, oh, you have a really, like, ambiguous look. You would do really well, you know, with acting, because they're looking for that. It's, like, popular right now. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Maybe I'll do it just for fun on the side. So I started doing it. And then within like a year, I booked like a huge commercial and I was like, oh, snap, maybe this could be something kind of fun. And I actually enjoy it. So it's cool. I like it. Where did you live in? So you, you lived in Virginia, but in Virginia Beach. Yeah, I grew up in Virginia Beach. I moved there when I was five. Okay. Yeah, my, my uncle was actually stationed down there and my parents, you know, we went down to visit a few times and they loved it. And they didn't like the school system in East Hartford where I was from. So they decided that they wanted to move me down to Virginia Beach. So we moved down to... To like in the Dam Neck area, and I went to Ocean Lakes. Okay. When I first moved to Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach, a very rich area in music. Oh yeah, uh, unbelievable. There's a lot of cats from there. What? Why do you think Virginia Beach is is like such a um, a hotbed for for talent diversity? Describe it that for folks that don't know yeah, what's yeah. diversity I think, like. I think Virginia Beach is like it's almost North Carolina. It's like maybe thirty thirty to an hour drive from North Carolina. Yeah. So it's it's. It's the South, but it's not like people don't have a Southern accent when they talk down there. They don't have a twang or anything. It's not like Southern. But it's like, it's a really diverse scene because there's a lot of military bases. So there's a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. Right. Like my high school, like most of my schools weren't like, I'm, I'm mixed actually. So I'm, I'm Hispanic and Armenian. So I'm like kind of mixed. Yeah, I was about to ask you. I was so, about to ask you. Like I never went to a school where it was like, oh, this is. 90% white or this is 90% African American or this is like a Latino school. It was all like, it was always diverse. Like I went to school with like Indian kids and Asian kids and black and white and everything in between. And it was like, I never was like in a situation where I was like, oh, I was like, oh, what, oh what's right. that? No, because right. I was just, I was always comfortable around every race because I was never taught anything else. Right. The way the state is segmented musically is that you have mm-hmm. like, very big hip hop in the Tidewater area. Oh yeah, but then There's a lot of producers are from down there. Exactly, like Timberland, Missy Elliott's from down there. Pharrell, like but, all but, those. Cats but that are, all came from the drug trade. Yeah. You know, like so that a lot of rappers, even they mentioned in songs from the '90s, are going back, going through Virginia, Carolina all the time on the '95 trade, yeah, and 95. and Virginia Beach was like the Clips, prime example. Yeah, like New York rappers living in Virginia. Yeah, they're like they're like the quintessential story of of Teddy Riley and all those cats. Teddy Riley like near that, in that area that used to produce and Pharrell actually went to my high school. Princess Anne. Yeah, is that where you went? I went to Princess Anne High School. Oh shit! I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, I uh, I never met Pharrell in person, but I need I really want to because I, think yeah, I mean dope. me too. <laughs> but he's I think he I think was he's there. Dope. <laughs> I finished Princess Anne in two thousand two. Okay, and I think he finished in like. He the early 90s or something like that, or like 90 or something. Oh, yeah, like he, he made, he, I think he was early 90s. Yeah, if not 1990, I think. Fun fact Did you know on the SWV remix of Human Nature? The S, the double, the U, V. Dun, 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 dun. But in the beginning of that record, that's Pharrell. That was like one of Pharrell's first big breaks. Oh, really? Actually, that. that may be first Pharrell's verse, first vocal. Pharrell's first vocal. Really? The S, the double, the U, V. And I, I opened up for him at VCU for Homecoming. 
crazy. And I stopped him and was like, yo, that's you in the SWV record? And he was like, yo, how'd you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because he was like, he was like one of the best drummers from what I heard. Like back in the day, like he was like playing quads and marching band. And oh, there's dude. pictures of him at the school, like playing quads, and he was a great drum set player. And his part is like his producing partner, Chad Hugo. Chad Hugo, yeah. From NERD, was apparently like this incredible saxophone player. And everybody used to tell me, like, yo, yeah, that guy Chad used to be like the dopest saxophone player. Like he was a killing alto player, but I never heard him because they were like from before me. So Crazy. I never got to hear him. I really like, I would love to hear like those cats like just play. Like, what was it? What was it like going to Princess Anne? Was it was it a big musical school? Or was it like a normal it was, school? It was it was normal. It was more heavy on sports for sure. Though we had a lot of really good athletes. Yeah, doing football and basketball. Women's basketball was dope there. Women's women's basketball won a state title one of yeah, the years yeah. that I was there. And we played. My high school played Princess Anne in uh, Monacan High School. When I was in high school, we played oh. y'all in the state uh, state tournament. Crazy, crazy. So anyway, I went to I went to a, a Mets game last night. Um, and it's funny because, like, when I go, like, everyone has, like, these, the, the Mets jerseys on. And I, of David Wright. Yeah. And I played against him in high school. He's from Virginia. He's from, he's went into Hickory. Ah. He, we played against yes. him in high school, like, when I was, like, I think I was, like, 15 or 16. And he was, like, a junior or senior. But we went to play, they came to play us at Princess Anne. And our coach was, like, he warned us, like, hey, there's this guy. On the team, he's playing third base. He's getting scouted by, like, the majors. If he takes you deep, which is slang for if he hits a fucking home, home run for you, <laughs> don't get depressed because he does it all for everybody. But, but when we saw him, we knew, like, oh, you shouldn't be here. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't fair. Like, he, he, like, stole as many bases as I could, but he also was hitting a home run every game. There's 20 games in a season, and he hit 19 home runs. Yeah, dog. He's like so the he dude. was taking one deep every game. He hit two against us in the preseason. Wow. Yeah. So, so how did you get into into playing sax? Like, what's the story behind that? So, I was I was always really like just curious about different music. So I would go to the library and just like rent different CDs and just like listen to different random stuff. And I would check out my, my stepdad's CD collection and whatever my mom had. And then I started buying a lot myself. Whenever I had money, that's all I would buy. Like, if I wasn't buying, like, baseball gear, I was buying CDs. Yeah. That's it. Like, I just wanted new music. And I was always trying to, like, get new stuff in my ear. And I was, just, I was in, you know, choir for a few years and, you know, for the girls, obviously. Of course. I mean, I like singing. But there was like this. There was this Filipino girl that I thought was beautiful, and I wanted to marry her when I was in Doug, grade. So. Boys, boys and girls chorus that ratio is always seventy thirty. I know. Same with church. Anyway, so <laughs> amen. <laughs> so we were like, um, I did choir for a few years, and then in seventh grade, I, I got to be honest, I'm not proud to say this, but I heard I heard a couple records. One of them was Kenny G. I wanted to figure out what he, I wanted to learn saxophone i thought it was a cool sounding instrument i had heard like a duke ellington record and then like a kenny g record and then like something else in the library just kind of random stuff that i thought looked cool yeah so i picked it up put it in the cd player i was like oh that sounds kind of cool i want to learn how to play that and then i remember like i was in like i think i was in eighth or like ninth grade and i had rented this like duke ellington live at the blue note record this random one that i haven't even seen lately and there was this tenor saxophone solo 
by Paul Gonzalez. Who was like the lead tenor player in Duke Ellington's band for years. And I heard, I heard what he was doing and I was like, holy fuck, what is he doing? I really want to figure that out. But I had no idea where to start. So I just like little by little, I tried to figure out and piece together what he was doing. And I kind of just like never stopped. Wow. So you you learned by yourself? I learned by ear for a while. Wow. Yeah. Because I didn't take lessons until I got to VCU when I was like 18. You were grown. I was grown. Yeah. Yeah. I took, I started my, I got my, I had my first like saxophone lesson when I was 18 by um, Marty Now, who was like the lead, he was the lead alto player in like the Navy Commodore's jazz big band. He's a great, unbelievable teacher and crazy good alto player. I mean, he can play anything that Bird or Phil Woods did. He can do like snap of a finger. Like it's just there. He's so great. So, he was so one of my first like mentors, teachers. Like I still talk to him today. So of course this is pre pre YouTube days where you could at least like look up a YouTube tutorial. Like how do you teach yourself how to play saxophone? Headphones and a CD player. How I would you, just figure out. I would just I would listen to what I heard on the on the radio or like on a CD and just try and figure it out. Man, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And so, how did you uh, end up getting to VCU to play into the music department? Um, I guess like I was playing baseball and doing sports a lot, and then I realized that like, man, I'm probably not going to go pro as an athlete because I stopped growing. You you and played then, David Wright. <laughs> he's fucking great. I'm like, shit. <laughs> so we um well actually I decided that like I was gonna go pretty hard on music in college. So I was going to try and major in music. So I auditioned at a few schools and I went to VCU and I auditioned for Skip Gales, who was my other like main teacher. I heard him practicing and I was like, holy shit, he sounds like one of the dudes from the albums that I was listening to. Like, yeah, what is he doing? Uh, I mean, Richmond's an amazing musical town. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. How did that help shape and, and develop you as a performer and as an artist? I think it's, I think it's a really good balance of a lot of things. It's not overly competitive. Like, it's it's more community-based than it is competitive. That's a great point. So, like, I feel like up here, it's a, it's a little more cutthroat. For sure. Um, it's, cut the, it's, cut, it's cutthroat in the subway. Oh, yeah. I mean, just, like, <laughs> pushing, old, pushing out, like, old people get it. To get, Back like, off, Grandma. Of train, like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and, and so, why did you decide to make the move from uh, Richmond to New York? Like, what, what drove that decision? Um, I visited New York twice when I was younger. I've, I came up here on like a high school trip when I was like a junior in high school and I was like, man, there's something about this. I really, one day I think I want to move here, like when I'm older. But I knew like, I heard some, heard some guys play and I was like, I'm not at that level. Like I had to be very like self-aware of my like, my ability. Like I knew like, I knew I would get there, but I wasn't there. And I didn't want to like come up here and not really know how to play and just... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Beat the fuck up and depressed about it. Right. So I went to Richmond, studied for a while, practiced a lot, did a lot of writing. And then like when I felt like I was in a good place, I took I took a year off after I graduated from VCU and then I came up here to go to grad school. Okay. Yeah. And uh, where'd you go to grad school? I went to NYU from 2008 until 2010. And how was your, your NYU experience? It was okay. I, I, I learned a bit from like my private lessons were like really beneficial, I think. Okay. But if I'm going to be honest, I don't believe that this, those kind of schools are worth the price. Right. Because it's like, it's a degree that's not, it's such a wide variance of like, you know, what you can make in that profession. Exactly. Like I know guys that make, you know, $5,000 a year playing music. And I know guys who make six figures playing music. So it's like, well, there's no scale. Right. And, and, no. and the degree won't. Degree, the degree, degree does nothing. Right. The degree didn't do anything. Your chops is what. Like I had to be on the scene. I had to be like hanging out at sessions, going to gigs, playing gigs, like just really like threading yourself into the community. Like that's what it took. Like it didn't take me being in school. I could have, I could have, I could have moved up here. And easily just like studied with those guys and gotten the same amount out of it. Right. Cause I was, I was going to say, did you get debt for the rest of your life? Coming for music here at, NY, uh, here at NYU, yeah. uh, network wise, put you in a better place. It started to, but honestly, I don't play with that many guys from NYU that I went to school with. Even okay. now, I don't. Like, I'm still friends with some of them, but like, even a lot of those guys, some of them don't even play anymore because they just were like, well, I, I got to pay student loans back. Like, I right. can't make. I can't pay the bills playing fifty dollars jazz gigs. Like right. I got, I got to do something else. Like fifty dollars jazz gigs in New York. In New York, which is a, a yeah. ten dollars jazz gig. It's most it's yeah, crazy. most of those guys like have teaching gigs because it's just like you don't make a living doing that. Right. And so, how did you break into, um, you know, what was like a big like, breakout moment for you in New York? It's like as far as like your first big performance. My first big performance came like a month and a half after I moved here, which was kind of weird. I was like, man, New York moves fucking fast. Holy shit. Yeah. No, I moved here and I was at NYU and um, the tour manager for Weezer went to NYU and he called the school looking for a couple horn players to play at Madison Square Garden that night. And I was in the right place at the right time and I did the gig. Well, what was that, what was that experience like? Crazy. Like, it was like, here I am like, no, hey, do you? you interested in doing it? And I was like, fuck yeah, I love Weezer. Like, I grew up listening to, like, the fucking Blue album. Like, that's my favorite shit. Like, My Name is Jonas is, like, one of my favorite songs of like, all time. <laughs> like, it's great. So I was just like, I jumped at the opportunity. I was like, no, I'm going to do it. I, I'm, I got it. I'll take it. So I did it. So, like, four hours later, I took a train to Penn Station and w- went to Madison Square Garden, played the gig. Like, what, there wasn't was, really it? much of a sound check. We, like, got there. There was, like went into this dressing room and we were all just hanging out and then like they all walk in and like they're like hey guys you're gonna let's just run through what we're gonna do on stage and we're like all right cool 
So like the drummer like starts patting on his legs and then they start like humming the song and we like start playing the horn parts we're going to play that we kind of came up with. And they're like, all right, cool. Sounds good to see you out there. And that was it. Wow. That was it. And so what was it like being in like Madison Square Garden? My, my, this is your first month. Unreal. In New York City. Within two months, I was garden. at the garden. <laughs> but the, I mean, like the next week I was playing for like five people at a dive bar in the East Village. So it didn't matter. It was like, came down crashing quick. And so you've also done like, done work with Adele as well? Yeah, I did a um, a video shoot for Chasing Pavement and I played clarinet for like this orchestra, this orchestral arrangement of the song. And we did a video shoot. It was, I actually got that gig through one of the casting directors that I know. Because she was casting the musicians for the shoot, and she called me. She was like, "Hey, you play clarinet too, right? Not just saxophone." And I was like, "Yeah, I play clarinet and a little bit of flute." And she was like, "Oh, great! I'm going to submit you for this project. I think you'd be great for it." And then I, she sent, she submitted me, and the director liked me, and then that was it. And I got called, and they sent me to the shoot. Wow! And so, wait, how'd yeah. you pick up clarinet? Isn't clarinet known as the most beautiful instrument, by the way? I don't know. I think I it's. I think it's. I've never heard that. I think it's the most beautiful sounding instrument. I think bass clarinet is. I don't know about regular clarinet, but I love bass. Clarinet. Okay, maybe I think clarinet's involved in it. Yeah, bass clarinet. You probably okay. like bass clarinet. It's like low and like, it's like the cello of the woodwind family. Man, that's that's some <laughs> sexy shit. It's sexy as fuck. Dog. But it was just kind of like a random thing. Like I didn't. It would like because most of my gigs like that I've done, I've auditioned like for two music gigs ever. And I've auditioned for every acting gig I've ever gotten. The networking thing is the most important in the music scene. Oh, oh I mean, because there's a here. lack of auditioning. It's right. just like, oh, right. You know this person; they can vouch for you. You're good to go. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's very much. It's just like any job. Like once yeah. I learned that the music industry and the music community, no matter where you are, is very incest- mm-hmm. incestuous. I mean, that's what happened with the Joe Jonas DNCE thing, and with the Blood Orange thing. I don't. I don't. I didn't audition for any of that stuff. Yeah, wh- like wh- I just got recommended for it. How how did Blood, Blood Orange come about? Uh, Blood Orange came about, I think it was a little over three years ago. I want to say. Okay. Um, one of my best friends, um, DJ DJ Ginyard, he's one of the greatest bass players that you'll ever hear. He plays bass for uh, Blood Orange, and he used to play for like Solange, and he still plays with Terrence Blanchard and some other people. Okay. So I met. Um, I had been friends with DJ for a while. And I had played on his album, and um, DJ, the bass player from from mm-hmm. the band, and he's he's amazing, and he's like the greatest dude. And we, uh, he was working on Cupid Deluxe, the Blood Orange, the Blood Orange album that Dev was working on. And uh, DJ called me one day. He was like, "Hey man, uh, you around next week?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm in town. What's up?" And he's like, um, "The guy that you know, that guy Dev that I played with Solange, Solange's band with, he's doing an album." He's looking for some sax. I thought you'd be good for it. Like your style will kind of, you know, fit what he's kind of going for. And I was like, okay, cool. So we, um, he was like, what are you doing? Like, I forgot what day. I think it was like a Tuesday or like a Wednesday. It was at lounge at Walter's spot. He's like, yeah, bring your, bring a couple horns and we'll kind of like just do a session and hang out and see what we come up with. I was like, great. So we, um, we had worked on, what's it? We had worked on Chamake and we worked on Chosen, I believe. Okay. Um, you know, you know Adam Bainbridge, the guy that does uh, Kindness. Yes. Yes. So I met Adam that day too. So he was like him and Dev are really close, and they're both really cool dudes. And Adam had kind of come up with this like the intro for Chosen, but it was all like MIDI instruments, and I based like we kind of he kind of like sketched out what he wanted, and I just kind of made 
that thing into like a, a saxophone quartet thing. So it was like two altos and two tenors. different takes and they just kind of like stacked them on and made it sound cool because blue's amazing the <laughs> blue yeah. is he's the, the man he's so good the man he's like the coolest dude like um but that was like adam kind of wrote the beginning and chosen and then like i laid a saxophone solo in the middle of it and we had a really fun time in the studio so we just we just like kind of kept making music and then uh uh deb's manager had hit me up and was like hey are you interested in doing any of the stuff live? Da da da. Um, Deverly likes you, and we think it'd be good to have you in the band. Da, da, da. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. So that's just kind of how it came about. Like, I didn't audition. It was just like, hey, DJ thinks you're <laughs> DJ, DJ thinks you're a good fit, and the session went really well. And then we ended up recording. Um, uh, what's that? Uncle Ace. After that, okay. We ended up recording Uncle Ace, and then I ended up doing. Um, horns on one of Adam's songs, um, on kindness. The yeah, kind of, the last kindness record he did. There was a song called Eighth Wonder that we worked on. It's a really cool tune, and I did the sax parts on that song too. And that was kind of that's kind of how I got introduced to those guys. And so, what, what what what's next for you? What's going on in your life right now? What are you working on currently? Um, I actually I just finished doing horns for the new album, the New Blood Orange album. Okay, and I worked on um. Earlier this year, I worked on the new Porches album a little bit, um, and I'm working on my stuff currently, and I've been producing some other artists a little bit here and there. Okay. Um, just trying to write to get my stuff done. I'm, <laughs> I'm working on having, like, the idea is to put out, well, the goal is to put out two albums by the end of, end of the year. Yeah. One's going to be, like, a jazz record, like, like my instrumental stuff. And then the other one's going to be like me singing and like playing guitar and keys and stuff. Okay. And the stuff that I, my songwriter stuff. Do, do you think that being in New York as a sax player has given, there's always the, the live show performance, but there's also like mm -hmm. the session aspect uh, of musicianship. Is that open more opportunities there here in New York than, yeah. than in Richmond? I think it opens about this. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say more or less, but I think it definitely opens up doors in a new way. And I like, the studio thing I really dig because it exposes your flaws mm. in a really like honest way. Okay. Like if you're just a little out of tune, that mic is going to amplify it. Well, Blue could patch it up. Yeah, Blue could do that. <laughs> or <laughs> that yeah, too. Blue auto tunes on my because <laughs> I can't, fucking can't play. T-Pain sax. Oh my gosh. That would be kind of dope. That'd be kind of ill. But he can actually sing though. Right. He's so dope. Gosh, I fucking hate how good he is. I love T-Pain. I didn't realize he could sing like that until I saw that tiny desk and I was like, oh shit. Dude, you know what? It's, 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 not, it's not even the singing. Yeah. To me, it's just I was already impressed by how he can stack harmonies. Like the yeah. way the way he puts his harmonies together. It's impressive. It's incredible. Auto-tune or not, to me, I was already yeah. like, yo, you definitely are gifted. Yeah, he's still a gifted producer. Exactly. Yeah. Like he knows his shit. And so what what advice do you have for for future musicians? I think that like 
one thing I'm really impressed by is that you're taking your mm-hmm. your musicianship in alternative directions. You yeah. know, you're very versatile. You can whether it's live or whether it's yeah. one record. Uh, what advice do you have for uh, aspiring musicians looking to break into the industry? Um, patience. Patience is the first thing I would say. It's a lot of things in life aren't going to happen on your timeline. I figured, you know, I'd come up here, go to school, make the right connections. I'd be cool to like, I'd be gigging and doing the thing, but I wasn't like, it took time. Like you have to be here. You have to spend time here. You have to like put in your time and you pay your dues. Yeah. I paid my dues twice. I played my, I paid my dues (laughs) in Richmond and I paid them up here. But like, if you just stick with it, I'll never forget this. I was at Smalls Jazz Club one night in the West Village. And one of my favorite saxophone players, Greg Tardy, was, um, he was like, he had just played uh, a set and I went for the jam session and ended up playing a couple songs at the session. And at that point, honestly, I was kind of discouraged with everything because I just wasn't gigging that much. And I felt like I, I felt like I was pretty decent. And I was like, why, why am I not working? Like, what the fuck? Like, I'm not like, I got like no gigs, like struggling to pay the bills. And then like, I ended up hanging out with Greg Tardy and we ended up walking uh, to the train together and talking for a little while. And he was just like, he was like the sweetest, most like humble guy. And I was like, man, this is like Greg Tardy, one of the guys that I've like listened to for years. And he's like, like the coolest guy. And he was just like, he was talking about like, you know, being in New York and um, it was, it was basically a lesson in patience. Like, you know, like you, he was like saying like along the lines of like, you know, you have the talent and you know, you know, your sound is incredible. It's in that. And like, you know, you're doing like some really, really great things, but you have to be here. Like event, like if you're, if you have a certain level of talent, which you, you know, then eventually something is going to happen, but it's not going to be on your timeline. Right. And I, I heard him, but I didn't know how long it would take. <laughs> right. So I was just like, okay, I'm just going to, Keep sticking it out. Because, you know, you have, like, those low points when you're like, man, I'm not fucking, I'm not working at all. I have no gigs. I'm not doing any sessions. There's no wedding gigs right now. Like, how the fuck am I going to keep food in the fridge? Right. Like, but you just have to stick it out. There's no, like, like, you have to just do it. If not, you're just going to quit and you're just going to do something else. And that's fine. If you if it's not for you, then it's not for you. It's not for everyone. It's not an easy lifestyle. No. It can be really shitty. Very shitty. It can be very shitty, especially, yeah, it's like, you know, <laughs> but, but now like things have been re- like the past, like the past, like two and a half, three years, things have been really good. Is there any business advice that, or any mistakes you've made along the way, as far as like money wise, maybe as far mm. as from getting gigs or that any advice that you would have? I would just say to like, realize your worth and be honest about it from the get go and get a lawyer. <laughs> If you can, like... Do you, do you have a lawyer now? Yeah. Especially starting out, you have to be your own everything. So, wait, hold on. Is it more important to be a talented person or to be a kind of talented person who knows the business? Kind of talented, knows the business. Knows the business. Because you could take advantage of less. Exactly. Because you'll know what you're doing and you'll know what things mean. Exactly. Versus, like, if you're just a really talented dude and, like, you ended up getting some some crazy gig, you can get taken advantage of. You can get of. got. Totally. Get got 100%. Oh, yeah. And, you know, people try to undercut you all the time. People take advantage of anything they can. Because, like, if you're looking at this from, like, 
just the straight up like logistical getting paid standpoint like i know friends who have had like huge gigs like huge pop star gigs and they decided to fire the horn section or just get rid of the horns or get rid of the bgs for whatever reason like get rid of three or four players in the band like from like one of the biggest artists in the world just because they didn't want to pay him anymore but so before going on a tour is this, is this all contractual before you go on the tour sometimes i haven't had i haven't had a whole lot of problems honestly i've been i've been with, with as far as touring i've had a really good experience yeah from what people that i worked with but the whole like they they got they just cut them for no reason they just because if the manager can convince the artist they don't need them that means say you know they're gonna pay a hundred thousand dollars to bring out a horn section for the summer for mm-hmm. like a major tour for you know flights hotels per diems pay all that stuff mm-hmm. say round figure a hundred thousand dollars if they can convince the artist that they don't need that then that hundred thousand dollars goes into what the artist makes mm-hmm. right and if the manager is getting their 15 20 percent right they just got 20 grand because they got somebody fired so typically before you go yeah. when, when you get called for a tour yeah like what is the the normal protocol for for a a a musician is it paid by gig is it contractual like what is the parameters um, around that there's two ways that it's usually done it's usually like hey we're going to pay you this a week or you're going to get paid this per show and then you kind of like add it up depending on like hey we're going to do like like i used to play keys for this christian band mm-hmm. like from richmond um and like when we would go out like hey we're gonna you're gonna you know everybody in the band we're gonna make this much like say you're gonna make 300 bucks let's say say you're gonna make a thousand dollars a week plus expenses okay you're gonna be out for two and a half weeks cool done deal we know how much we're getting there's no discrepancies i mean there's no discrepancies either way it's either like hey we're gonna pay you like a thousand a week or if it's just like a bunch of one-offs which we do that I do that sometimes with some artists. We do like one-off shows. Like we'll go, we'll do a gig, come back, or like a private gig or something, right. come back, or like with a wedding company. Right. Like, hey, you're gonna get paid this for this gig, or you're gonna get paid for this for this gig. Like you're gonna make, you know, you're gonna make seven hundred bucks, but you're gonna get paid a little extra for travel, and you're gonna get your per DMs and everything else will be taken care of. So it could be like, hey, you're gonna get paid by the gig, or you're gonna get paid like by weekly, the sh- by the weekly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I've heard somewhere it's like you get paid like a lump sum. Like they'll tell you, hey, we're going to need you for these dates on retainer. You can't take any other gigs because you're on call for us. We're going to pay you this amount of dollars. So block off your June, July, August. Right. That It could be that too. Jason, man. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks. Much love. Cool. VA all day. All day. Can't stop, won't stop, baby. Can't stop, won't stop. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com